At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. After you let me have my little tangent, um, you said to me, so I'm just curious, um, you know, what's different about the way that he showed up today? And it was kind of like, it jolted me right back to like reality of that he was still the same person. And I had this expectation that he was going to be different. And it, it was, it was me sitting back and saying, why am I still letting him get to me? Like he's not changing and I'm supposed to be working on me. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. I'm very excited to have Stephanie with me today. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for having me here today. Such a pleasure, my honor. Sure. Well, you know, I, I recall um, so much about our conversations and it's been quite a number of years now. So mm -hmm. um, I think you reached out sometime around 2014, 15, if that, if that, sounds right. Can you share with our audience um, what was going on that you reached out for support? Oh, I was a mess. <laughs> I was in the uh, throes of a separation. Um, I was standing, if you recall, I was standing for my marriage because I didn't want the divorce. Um, and, uh, I was in a pretty bad place. I was crying all the time. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was very lost, very afraid. Um, it was a really difficult time. And, and, uh, you know, the way that we met was, and everything about our relationship has just been so, um, you know, God's hand was in this whole thing of us connecting and, and, uh, altering my life for the better. Right. And, you know, the people who are listening in tonight, Stephanie, so many of them are in those early, early stages where we're so scared, mm -hmm. um, often paralyzed. Mm -hmm. um, there are fear stories that are um, 
causing us even more angst than the, than the divorce process itself. When you think back, what were, um, what were some of the biggest struggles that you were facing or fears that you felt were, were paralyzing you? There were so many. Um, you know, I was with my husband at the time. We were together um, dating and married. We were going on 24 years. So it was literally like, you know, taking one body and as I always think of it like this and ripping it apart and, um, you know, the financial worries, what was going to happen to, you know, my home, what was going to happen in my future? Uh, how was, how was everything going to work out? Um, was I being foolish for standing for my marriage? You know, I wore my wedding band for a couple of years after he asked for the, the divorce, the separation, actually, I ended up filing for the divorce. If you remember, um, there was a lot of fear of what people would think. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't tell a lot of people for about a year that really, really deep what was going on, even family. Yeah. Yeah. And your child was very young too. Jeffrey was eight. Yeah. Uh And he was the same age as when my parents separated. And so I also dealt with that. Um, remembering that what it felt like for me and I, and I was afraid of how it would affect him. Um, just recalling everything I went through and I didn't want him to go through what I went through. So it was also protecting him, Right. you know, and I'd walk out of my house and I'd smile and everything was fine. But in my house, I cried all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people talk about that too, just that kind of schizophrenic feeling (laughs) putting on, you know, your game face for your child or at work and and really just melting down and so yeah Yeah. I was in sales I remember I would go to work and I would walk into my office I would walk into my boss's office I would shut the door I would cry hysterically for like 20 minutes pull myself together put in eye drops fix my makeup and walk out the door and I had to go sell and I smiled the whole time don't even know how I did it and I think so many people expect to be on their A game when dealing with such traumatic emotions and and transitions. And and the truth of the matter is what you just described is probably what we've all gone through uh, in those earlier stages of divorce, where you're just trying to hold it all together. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we always talk to clients about is uh, the focus when we meet is often on what's wrong with my spouse and what my spouse did wrong and what my spouse uh, caused. And, and our goal is to shift that reflection back to you mm-hmm. since, um, since you're going to be with you long-term and mm-hmm. what can you do? And so what do you remember about some of the key things where you had ahas, where you started, um, stretching and growing? Um, it's funny. I recall we were, you and I had a conversation and uh, I think right before we got on a call, I had just hung up the phone with my ex-husband. And when you called, I was 
mad and sad and frustrated and and I remember like <laughs> I don't even know if you said hello and I was firing off where I was at right and then you, after you let me have my little tangent um you said to me so I'm just curious um you know what's different about the way that he showed up today and it was kind of like it jolted me right back to like reality of that he was still the same person and I had this expectation that he was going to be different. And it, it was, it was me sitting back and saying, why am I still letting him get to me? Like he's not changing and I'm supposed to be working on me. And from that point on, whenever I would speak to him, your voice would echo in my head of, you know, he's showing up the way he is and he's not doing the work on himself, but you are. And so remember that. And, and, and eventually I was able to have conversations and not have him get to me. Um, I was able to be okay, calm, which is crazy. Well, and what you're talking about, which is so brilliant is um, the practice of acceptance, Mm -hmm. which we speak so often to clients about, because when you started accepting that your husband shows up a certain way, behaves a certain way. We don't have to put any judgment of good, bad, right, or wrong. It's how he shows up and realize that you are the one who kept wanting it to be different. It's like born a zebra, show up a zebra, not a giraffe, right? And (laughs) And so when you stepped into the acceptance of, okay, this is how this individual behaves and shows up, I'm hearing that a lot of the stress and tension was released. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was like, uh, it was, I was a different person. And I still use that to this day, by the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've recently um, received uh, uh, a saying that just so resonated with me. I've been sharing it with all my clients. And so it's appropriate right now to share it, which is when we're expecting and accepting hmm. of someone the way they show up, um, it, it takes the resentment, the surprise, mm-hmm. the disappointment away hmm. And so both expecting and accepting. And if they show up more pleasing than usual, we're pleased, but we're not reactive and disappointed and frustrated or surprised. Right. And that's spot on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Such a different world to live in, to be um, expecting and accepting for who they are. Right. And then you can be calm and you can learn so much about yourself which really is what it's about. And in many cases, you might um, have a plan. So mm-hmm. if, if, if it was a, a spouse who showed up late to pick up the kid, then mm-hmm. you have a plan B for how to handle that mm-hmm. instead of being surprised every time that they show up late. Right. right. <laughs> so one of the things that you, that you took away was this, this level of acceptance around how your ex behaved. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I recall you sharing with me was because of your childhood, how you um, you were designed to be very kind of caretaking and type A. Mm-hmm. 
Do you remember how that impacted um, this transition period of yours? You're, you know, I'm going to probably cry, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I had to do a work on myself. I had to, I had to really look deep at my part of the failure of the marriage um, because I thought, but I'm doing everything and I'm helping and I'm giving and I'm loving and I'm providing and that should be enough. And in reality, it wasn't what he was looking for. I thought that's what he was looking for. That was number one. And then number two, as you recall, I have um, a lot of responsibilities and allowed other people, not just him, to um, cross boundaries. I didn't have boundaries, to be honest with you. I didn't have any. And so that was something you and I worked on a lot. <laughs> You said yes a lot, didn't you? I said yes to when everything. When you didn't really want to, and you couldn't. Man. Yeah. I will never, you, you changed my life. I mean, so my mom lives with me. And uh, how, I don't know, <laughs> you were talking earlier about investing in yourself. I have no idea how much money I invested in my relationship with my mother and you, right? Because it really was not just about my going through the divorce, it was really about myself growing in relationships. And um, my mother and I have a thriving relationship because of, oh my God. Because of my divorce. <laughs> <Who knew? laughs> but really, I mean, because you taught me how to set boundaries and how to say no. And I remember when I went down to talk to her one day and I walked out of the room and she had thrown herself on the bed because she was upset with me because I was putting a boundary up and I shut the door and I started crying because it was so hard for me to say no. It was so hard for me to ask for help. Um, I would cry and cry and cry and cry because I didn't want to do it. But you had told me you need to exercise that muscle of receiving and of saying no. And you know, much like exercise, you don't want to do it. And it's really hard to do because your muscles don't want to work. But let me tell you, once you start doing it and you get strong, it is liberating. Yes. That's a perfect word for it. Yeah. And, and I think that so often people, um, uh, you said something earlier I just want to come back to is like I was doing everything and I'll have people call me and say like but I did everything and so if there's 200 percent what did you do I did 199 percent well if you did 199 percent what did you get oh mm -hmm. um you know because you're not supposed to do 200 percent you're only supposed right. to do your 100 percent and they're supposed to do their 100 percent and so that whole giving right really strong giving muscle yeah. not so strong receiving muscle sure. and that fear of saying no I'm going to hurt someone someone's not going to like me someone's going to be upset by my no right. and what's interesting is in the center of that we feel like we we have so much power right like like what makes me that powerful that like my no is going to destroy somebody right but that's not the way you're looking at it which is why when we 
when we worked and you were able to shift perspectives. And it, it is hard. I mean, any new practice is hard. Absolutely. Right. The practice Absolutely. of acceptance is hard. The practice of yeah. boundaries is hard. Right. right. And by the way, me thinking that I was doing everything or, well, I did, I was doing everything, right? Um, didn't allow him to do what he was supposed to do as my husband, as the man. And it was actually not good for and I was, that was, because that was my fault. You know, because I you were doing. Yeah. And I, and you know, I, people, when people ask me about my marriage or something, you know, um, I will say like, it takes two to be married. It takes two to be divorced too. And you've got to figure out your piece and own it. And it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's actually really good to own it and know that you, you know, were part of the reason also. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that whole um, doing so much and then actually inviting the other adult under the roof to do things, one of the other dangers that um, that person is often exposed to is that they're not doing it right because they're not doing it our way. Mm, and so they finally step in and do something. Right. And what are they faced with? Yep. A ton of criticism. Absolutely. And so th this is all about understanding our part. Like, how did that serve me? And why did mm -hmm. I do that? And, right. and how could it be different? Right. And, and it's control. It's a control issue. It's a very... Um, I, was ve I wanted to be in control of things. And, and I really wasn't in control of anything. In my head, I thought I was. But I wasn't. Um, and it's not really fun to be in control. It doesn't invite an equal collaborative no. relationship. No, not at all. Right. And so, so I'm just hearing so many different things in terms of, um, in terms of boundaries and, and owning your part. What were, um, what would you say, well, bef before I move on, was there anything else that just stands out Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to divorcerecoverylifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. I want to say we talked about trust a lot. Mm. And I think if I remember correctly, like there was some broken trust in mm -hmm. the marriage, mm -hmm. but there was also kind of broken trust between you and yourself, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he had an affair. Um, and so that was broken trust. And, uh, even though we tried to repair, it was, you know, he said that he was trying, but he wasn't. And, um, you know, I believed him because I wanted, you know, I remember, you know, 
uh, I think it's called Rejoice Marriage Ministries, something like that. And it's all about standing for your marriage. And I was, you know, I would read every day and I would pray every day and ask God to restore the marriage. And, um, you know, because I never wanted to be divorced. And I mean, who goes into a marriage thinking they're going to get divorced, right? I don't know anyone. But I didn't, I started to not trust me because I was not, I was allowing that to happen. And I didn't trust the decisions that I was making. Um, yeah. And that was tough. And And the interesting thing there is part of, like on the foundation of trusting other people is trusting ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Trusting our in intuitive hits when we think something might be wrong, trusting um, our decisions. And so, so I remember when we were talking, there was, there was the betrayal in the marriage, but then the, the issues of trust went much deeper. And I, I remember that you did a lot of work on, uh, on understanding, uh, the foundation of that and, and working on developing your own trust in your intuition and your judgments. And there's so many decisions to be made mm. during divorce. How would, how, what is your recollection oh. um, of your maybe journey to, to being able to make decisions? Um, you know, the one thing that stands out in my head the most is that um, I had a lot of I, I had a lot of people that were concerned for me, and so um, friends and some family, the ones who knew, and you know everybody had an opinion, and everybody wanted to protect me um, and tell me what to do, you know. And I'm the baby of the family, and I'm you know I'm doesn't matter how old I am. <laughs> I'm still going to be the baby. Um, and I remember even my attorney was asking me, why are you not filing for a divorce? And I said, because I don't feel it yet. I'm not ready. And, you know, every once in a while he'd call me every few weeks. Are you ready to file yet? No. What are you waiting for? I don't know. And I would listen to people, but I remember I would tell myself, don't do anything unless it feels right. And I kept pressing into God every day. I was, I was blessed that I had a friend who actually, after he had moved out, which was a couple of years after the separation, if you recall, he lived here. Right. And I had a friend who moved in to help me to be able to keep the house. And uh, she would pray with me every day, every day, multiple times a day. And I pressed into God and I just said, help me, you know, lead me. And I did start to um, trust myself going through that part where I finally did file for divorce because he wasn't going to. Of all the decisions that I made, they were decisions that I made. Nobody helped me. And there were two instances that I listened to somebody else and both of them were things that I shouldn't have done. And so in hindsight, I realized that I do have to trust myself because every decision that I made, I was happy with. Right. And the process was okay, even though I was scared because I didn't, I didn't really trust myself, right? It was such a like, what do you do? You know, you want to trust yourself, but you don't. But in the long run, I can't have everybody make the decision. It's my life. 
And if I allow them to tell me what to do, then in the end, I'm going to resent other people. And I had to take, I had to trust myself. I had to take some, you know, authoritative control, which for myself was hard, right? I wanted to control everything else, but to control myself, I didn't want to. It was very strange. And it's another muscle that until you start um, assessing you know, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's my intuition telling mm. me? And then how do I take those three and, and figure out, I, I believe we call it holographic thinking, where you take your logic, your feelings, and your intuition and kind of balance them all out. And when you're coming from, wow, I married this person, they cheated on me. So was that a bad decision? Did they ever love right. me? Like all of the stories we begin to tell ourselves and then how, how can I make decisions? And so you're starting there. And, you know, one of the big things about coaching is interesting because we'll have people, I'll have people call where they're like, so tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe I was one of those few people who didn't tell you what to do. Yes, um, I did ask you, what, what do I do? Yeah. Right. And can you just share with our audience the difference um, when, um, when you're being coached without uh agenda or judgment or a position um, coming from your coach? How did that, how did that impact your, um, your process? The first thing that stands out, which is just so funny, I remember being mad at you. I remember I would get mad at you. And in my head, I would be like, here she goes again. She's not going to tell me what to do. She wants me to make a decision. (laughs) I remember like my body, like literally being upset with you because I just wanted you to give you the answer, give me that direction, give me advice of some sort. And even though I wanted to make the decision myself, I want, I really wanted somebody else to who I confided in, obviously, like outsiders didn't know the, the my heart you did and you wouldn't help me. <laughs> I was angry, <laughs> but, but it, it felt good ultimately, like I said, because when I looked back on everything, I was having a lot of aha moments of how going deep into even my childhood, like how it affected what I was doing and decisions that I made and how I was going to move forward. Um, So, you know, coaching with you really provided me with a peace um, through the anger, through the struggles, through the crying, through the tough times and the decisions and all that. But when I would, I always hung up the phone feeling better and, and being able to get through the next week or two before I would talk to you again. Um, like, okay, because you always gave me a tool for my toolbox. I love my toolbox. I still use it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's the idea. Use yeah. it for the rest of your life. I mean, exactly. you're, you're, you're kind of saying so many really valuable things for our listeners to hear. One of the things that I can't um, emphasize enough is that when we support someone going through divorce, number one if I'm fishing for you and just giving you fish as opposed to teaching you how to fish, right. really, you know, I'm, I'm stealing from you. Yes. And so the idea in coaching is that you do have all the answers mm-hmm. and that, that when we work together, it's a matter of kind of 
peeling back the onion and digging deep and getting clear so that you then emerge so confident in making your own decisions, which was something that was very important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is that honestly, our desire is not just to help someone get through their divorce well. Our desire is to help someone transform through their divorce. So whether you're dealing with an adult child with addiction or the death of a loved one or a career that falls apart or or a pandemic or a hundred other things, that you have this robust toolbox that you've built up that no matter what happens, yeah, you'll get thrown off your game for a short period of time, but that you can always come back and re-engage with all that you've learned and grown mm-hmm. with. And that's what I'm hearing you say, which is, Absolutely. Which is really just beautiful. Absolutely. Every, you know, um, coaching with you was an investment in myself and I am worth it. I can confidently say that now, which back then I didn't think really that I was, but I, I'm worth it. Now I know that. And, and you changed my life. If I didn't coach with you, I really don't know where I would be right now. I'm every day I use something of what I learned through you in my life. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. I'm, I really, and I, uh, I don't know if you recall, but I had a few counselors before I started coaching with you. And, um, one of my counselors was very good. She was through my church, but very different. Counseling isn't coaching, as you know. Coaching is like, I'm going to be your side partner and we're going to do this together and I'm here for you. And, you know, and I think that piece that you just shared where you, you, you emerge from the session and you not only have new perspectives, but you've created that action plan to bridge you from one session to the next and move the ball forward. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that's just... I remember just watching you move and just feeling like you you were you were having these growth spurts. You mm-hmm. were like growing in leaps and bounds. And, I remember. And your confidence was growing and your self-esteem was growing along yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I wonder, um, do you recall, I mean, I do, and my divorce is pretty far behind me. Do you recall some of the... Um, the fear stories you had about what it was going to be like to be divorced or post-divorce. Do you remember anything? Oh, yeah. Can you share with the audience? Because I want you to know that the people listening, they have that fear story and they're early on in the tunnel and the tunnel looks bloody dark and bloody long. And, um, and if you could share some of that, I think that would be really helpful. Sure. Um, <clears throat> That tunnel. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I listened to Clint last week, who you had did, did a live with, and he said, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, initially when somebody had said that to me, I wanted to smack him because I was like, please don't tell me about the light at the end of the tunnel. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, it doesn't matter how far off it is, it's there. And I think that's like, you just keep reaching for it. Just keep striving for the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, it, oh my gosh, there was fears of, you know, I, um, I'm pretty independent. 
as you know. And uh, there was fears of, um, I always saw him as my support um, or crutch. And it was like, oh my gosh, he's not going to be there. How am I going to continue to have a successful career? And when in reality, it was me who was causing the success of my career. It wasn't him at all, which you helped me to uncover. Thank you. Um, You know, there was a, one of the big fears was being alone, uh, not having companionship. I think for me, that was, that was very, very difficult. What was I going to do? You know, I didn't want to put everything into my children and not um, have a self, you know, person, my own self-care and just push myself to the side and be one of those people that when the children leave, I have nothing, you know, and it was like, how do I, what do I do? Um, how do I not be alone? And even in the, the acquaintances and the friends and the family and everybody else. And you could, I remember like at one point I was in a room with so many people and I felt so alone and you can't explain that to people, you know, like, um, I love my brother to pieces and he's got a wonderful marriage. And, you know, sometimes when I speak to him, I'm like, you don't, he doesn't understand, you know, cause he's never experienced it and, and he means well. But it's like people don't understand the heart of like um, being alone. I mean, it still chokes me up because it's 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 a scary thought, you know. And have you experienced any? Um, without going into detail, have you experienced new relationships since your divorce? Um, just a couple. Um. um one that was just a friend and it was kind of like, I knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, I, I, I say the rebound, I hate to say that, but usually the first person that you meet is, you know, not going to be the one because really I, I hadn't already, I hadn't done all the work I needed to do on myself. And I think that was really the point. So it was kind of learning, what do I really want? What am I really looking for? Where is the one? is the one there. I would joke with my friends all the time and say, I think God's sending him on a turtle and not on a horse. (laughs) He's not here yet. Um, and, and I dated another guy who, um, I cared about very deeply, but it wasn't a healthy relationship and he cared about me too, but it wasn't gonna, I wasn't able to be myself um, 100%. And so I would, in my head, like, you know, I learned, I came to learn like what I truly wanted. And I actually wrote a letter to God. This is what I want. (laughs) But I forgot to tell God what I didn't want. Yeah. Um, jealousy, um, things like that. And so let me ask you something about your relationship. Um, when you look back on on that relationship that didn't end up working out, can you what do you see in terms of the personal growth through the divorce that you showed up different or you had different eyes or different perspective on your value, anything like that going through that relationship? Like, well, it was interesting. I actually showed up as myself again. And I couldn't believe it. I was doing the same thing all over. And 
Uh, but I was realizing it. So I was seeing and I was saying, this isn't good. This isn't right. Don't accept this. No, you're, remember, you're worth it. You don't have to settle. And just real, like, so, so showing up the same, but then when I would start to realize, I would say, okay, pull back a little bit. What are you looking for? What are you doing? And it was really my own internal fight, right? Because I didn't want to be lonely. I wanted to have companionship, but I didn't want to settle. And it was back and forth and back and forth. And we ended up becoming really good friends, which I thought was great. But in the long run, in the back of my head, I thought, well, maybe (laughs) one day, it was like, what are you doing, really? And it's a fear thought. I mean, you you talked a lot about... um fear of being alone, which is certainly something that a lot of a lot of people going through divorce feel. And and I love what you just said because the truth is our habits are, you know, we create deep ruts in the road when okay. we have habits that yeah. last years or decades. And so you got out of a relationship and the fact that you kind of slipped back into mm-hmm. old ways of being, at least at first, yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. But then the toolbox doesn't go away, right? So it's like, right. so, so that starts poking around and it's Absolutely. like, wait a second, wait a second. I did a lot of work here. You know, yeah. what am I for? And does it serve me? And, and, and this so, still working on yourself, you know, and I still knew that I still had a work to do on me, right? So like, don't just because somebody's there doesn't mean that that's the person, you know, that you're supposed to be with still work on yourself. And and that's what I continued to do was work and work and work. And I can tell you that I met a man and I realized that it's okay for me to be um, who I am. And so it's very interesting because right from the get-go, I started talking about who I was. This is who I am. You can you know, you can like me or not, and that's okay. If you don't, we'll have a nice lunch and we'll move on. I mean, first date, I was asking questions that some people would never, but I'm like, at my age, I want to know, I'm not going to go into this with eyes closed. Um, you know, and, and also to just, um, be a little resistant, uh, let him chase me. I hate to say that guys are probably watching this right now. Like really, but the reality is, you know, it's don't let, don't throw yourself out there and be that trying to take care of or maternal. It was like, Ooh, and I would feel it start to come out and go back up, you know? Um, and it's, it's actually wonderful. Um, the feeling is very mutual and I think he may be the one that came in on the turtle. To be yeah. honest with you. So and there's something so powerful about showing up authentic. And it is because when you're really yourself, then the person actually gets to fall in love with you instead of your masks. Right. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And now I don't have to, I don't want to say hide or compensate or anything because now I'm just me. And you know what? (laughs) Planes, trains, and automobiles. What's John Candy? I I like me. I love me. You know what I mean? Like I'm a good person and he sees that I'm a good person. And it's like, that even makes me feel even better about the person that I am. And it's just so beautiful. You know, it really is. And so when I think back, that light at the end of the tunnel, and it it took a long time to get there. um, But along the way, the light 
kept getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Now, I don't know. I, I really do truly feel he's my soulmate, which is because I've never, ever felt this way before about anything. It's just very bizarre. And we could talk about that another time. But, um, but you know, it's, all it, things, it's not, it's still, it's still growth. You know what I mean? And that, that's what I was going to say. All things in due time. And right. the fact that you're describing yourself as showing up more authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the sad thing is we'll, we'll show up with a mask and then we get comfortable and we take the mask off and it's like, what's your problem with me? Well, you're not the one I fell in love with. I fell in love with your mask. Right. So absolutely. Right. Isn't that? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, uh, I want to wrap this up. Um, What, uh, what words of encouragement would you like to leave our audience with given the journey that you've been through? words of encouragement um i would say um trust your intuition trust your gut um you're worth it and just believe that the decisions that you're making are right if you if it doesn't feel right don't do it no matter what somebody tells you to do if it doesn't feel right don't do it you know, follow your, follow your lead, uh, as I call, you know, because you know, I'm, I'm very strong faith in God. I, Christ in me, I follow that, you know, um, if it feels yucky and it doesn't feel peaceful, don't do it. Whatever that could be, whether it's a decision in regards to the divorce or filing or anything, um, or meeting other people and your future and, um, and I would say, and, and work on yourself. One of my friends, one of the best pieces of advice he could have given to me, he said to me, Stephanie, go work out. He said, get up and go do something. Don't sit. Don't be by yourself. Don't be still. Go take care of you. And uh, I started to take care of myself. And <clears throat> it's wonderful. I mean, I like, it just changed my life to invest in me um, in all levels, coaching and working out and, and wellness and meditation and everything. And so my, my, I would say, take care of you. You're worth it. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me Uh, and sharing your story. I think that uh, there are many who are going to be inspired and encouraged by it. And uh, I am honored to have gotten to work with you and you're amazing and you're doing, you're doing great things with your life. Thank you so much. I owe you. I'm forever indebted because you just, you'll always be with me. I mean, imagine like when I'm older and I'm still using my toolbox. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Karen, for having me on. I I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. You're very welcome. And um, we will be back next Wednesday uh, with another former JVD client and some more voices of celebration. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. 
Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.